Welcome to Asset Blocks, a business owner edition, because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we're talking about buying your house and why it might be the worst decisions you make. Whether you're thinking about buying your home, rent vesting, or even upgrading, we're going to be talking about what is the better option in our opinion. But before we get started, let's cue the disclaimer. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. This episode is important because... As we always look at it, we try and relate it back to business where you're asking yourself, should you buy or rent or even upgrade where you run your business from? In a lot of businesses, they rent their office or even choose where they upgrade it to. So, why do a lot of them choose not to purchase it? Is it because it's not a long, good long-term financial decision? Not good returns? They don't have the cash to buy it? Is the money better spent elsewhere? So, why don't we make these considerations when we're looking to buy or upgrade or rent for ourselves? So, if you're an Australian business owner and tossing and turning on the idea of investing in assets or buying your own home or even upgrading, or you've never actually thought about this topic in depth, this episode is exactly what you need. And if you like anything that we cover, head over to assetblocks.com.au to get access to calculators and templates and checklists that Charlie and I use on our asset growth journey as well. And if you do enjoy the episode, be sure to subscribe or share it with someone else who's in a similar situation. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Charlie, topic is close to my heart because it's something I'm going through right now. I'm at that trigger point where Hazel and I are talking about starting a family. Dun, dun, dun. So, obviously, we love investment properties. We love buying assets and improving our wealth, right? And the conversation is going, do we continue renting? Because for us, the opportunity is rent or buy a place, a place that we're actually going to live in. So, I'm curious, right? There are three options, rent, buy or in your situation, potentially upgrade. So, why might buying your house be the worst decision if you're starting out on your journey? Yeah, I'll I'll start this one with a story is that um, I actually have some friends, which I I won't name them, and what has happened is they've bought a house that was a little bit too much for them. They've bought a house that's kind of above their budget, and in turn, the sequence of events is that it's actually hamstrung their business. They're are really stuck in a rut of having to fund this expensive house and they're unwilling to downgrade because of the status it brings them. <laughs> I like it. In the community. I like it. Um, I won't name the suburb or people, but then by uh, consequence of that, I should really say, is that they're unable to reinvest in their business at a rate that would enable it to grow. So now what they've got is a situation where they've got an underperforming business that needs funding and they are running poorly because they're stressed about a mortgage they have to pay that really they can't afford. And um, I, I mean, when you look under the covers a little bit in this story here, they go into it and I think they did it for the right intentions. They were concerned house prices in that area were just going to keep going up, that they would never get in if they didn't buy the house now. And that was kind of true. They probably wouldn't have because uh, if you fast forward a couple of years, housing prices in that area have gone up substantially. So I completely back that. Um, and then the other side of it is much to the point of what you mentioned earlier is that they were renting and then the idea of having kids while renting was something that they felt concerned about it. They wanted more security around it. Now that's completely unfounded, right? 
many people raise kids in this country and rent. Like it's not a one or the other. Like I actually will say this is like a myth, an urban legend. You know, you hear some out there. It's like, uh, again, like that's one we see. Another one I see commonly. Have you ever heard this, Grant? Well, rent money's dead money. Oh, dead. You're paying for someone else's mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was at Aussie Home Loans that like rent money is dead money. That was the TV ad. <laughs> I love it. I love it, right? Because it's the same thing as what Tiffany and Co came out with the diamonds for an engagement ring. Like it's it's complete fugazi. Oh, it's made up. It's made up. It's all made up. <laughs> Everything's made up. Just remember everything in your life right now, someone made up at some point. Agree. Everything. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll come back to this one here. Why I think this topic is so unique to business owners is like in the uh, employed conversation. So if someone has a job, they really have two options to look at where they can uh, rent and potentially buy assets or invest in other things, or they can buy and put money into their own home and then invest later potentially. As business owners though, we had this third option where we actually have the ability to reinvest in our businesses. So when we make a decision with our free cash flow, so for example, when we lock it into a mortgage, like the story I spoke about earlier, is that can have unintended consequences for our business. So we've got this whole extra layer of complexity that is just not relevant to people who, have, uh, who are employed. And again, I don't want to uh, necessarily paint that as a right or wrong. It's just different. It's yep. not that being employed is a bad thing. It's just as business owners, we have different considerations. And I think that when you layer up some of the things I hope we're going to talk about, or I know I say we're going to talk about in this episode, is these considerations can have you make a very, very different decision once you weigh them up. It really, really can. And in my own case, I'll, I'm happy to disclose this early and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the episode, is like I have chosen not to upgrade my home a few times because I wanted to invest in my business more or buy another investment asset, which I think was the right decision for me. But again, didn't do great for my status game like my other friend who's uh, living in a very affluent area, although struggling uh, his ass off, I will say. <laughs> I do have to say, I'll still connect with you. I don't mind that you're not in an oh. affluent area. <laughs> well, you are in an affluent area. I, I like- live in a nice area. I'm not going to say I don't. Like I'm on the Mornington Peninsula in uh, Victoria. It is a beautiful part in the world for about six months of the year. I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's fine. And, and to to represent that, right? Because everyone's situation is is not the same. Because for us, it's looking at obviously we, we care for us about ones and zeros. Because I'm a very ones and zeros guy, so I'm like, ah, assets like rent vesting is like always or typically on paper the greatest avenue. But to your point, right? It's okay. Well, are we going to continually switch? Uh, when we start a family, is my wife going to be happy with that? Which I, I know that she would prefer to have a dedicated spot after she finishes traveling and having that travel bug herself. Um, but what about our family? Like if we're moving constantly, is that going to put unnecessary pressure on us? But then from the, well, where we want to live, to your to your story, it's, it's affluent areas. Like they are quite expensive, which would wrap up for us quite a bit of cash. And we're going, well, what impact was that going to have on not just us acquiring new assets or investment assets, but also the business, right? Because then the business has to be at a level that it must maintain in order to support that additional lifestyle in addition to the assets that we already have as well. And so there's so many considerations out there that that come into play. So let's break this down for everyone who's playing at home, right? Because- Listening to this and go, yeah, you guys are unique, different, but my situation, like how can I walk through those same things that are in 
my mind and your mind, Charlie, that we're thinking through so that when they're doing their own comparison between renting, buying a house or upgrading their business or even upgrading the current house, they can consider it as well. Completely. So, let's kick off with location. So, I I know you're a big location guy. (laughs) So, I'm going to let you take off on position number one, location. Yeah, so there's, uh, again, this is going to be unique to business owners. I won't apply in the same way to people who have uh, an employed role. But uh, let's say you have a business and the best place for you to run your business from is the Sydney CBD. Okay, so let's pretend that. That's uh, obviously in Australia probably the one of the most uh, expensive property markets in the country by yep. far. So there's a couple of factors. You look at that and go, well, the cost to buy a house there is astronomical uh, compared to renting. Right, you can rent a place much cheaper than it would be to buy. So this is one where I look at it and go that it is probably in many cases better to rent there because of how much capital you have going into that one home. Now, the counter I want to lay out to that though is that by being in that area, if that presents the best opportunities for your business, your business might do 10 times better. And in the scale of things, the income you're able to produce will enable you to invest or even potentially buy in that area at some point in a much better way. And I want to throw a quick story for this. Um, The area I live in now is uh, the Mornington Peninsula. And I'm just going to be honest, for business opportunities in the scale of Australia, probably not the place to live. I'm I'm going to point it out. There's no significant business deals I've done here. But for a period of time, um, I did actually rent in Brighton, which is a place that's closer to uh, Melbourne CBD. And do you know what's really interesting? In that time I was there, the opportunities that were available to me, just based on who you would meet at the local cafe or who you would bump into, was completely different. I actually did some substantial deals while I lived there with people that lived in that area. So the reason I tell that story quickly there is that on paper, renting in Brighton at that time, terrible decision. Expensive rent uh, was a very nice place to live. It was a gorgeous place. (laughs) It was. It was a very nice place to live. But if you look purely at the ones and zeros there, not good. But if you look at the business value it was able to create, amazing. It was a really, really good thing. So I bring that up briefly there just to talk about location advantage. But one more point, I'll go into that back to more of the location thing and using Sydney again. My belief is that if renting a place in an area is, uh, let's say, 30 to four, or go 35% cheaper than buying or more, that it's probably going to be worth uh, renting in that location, even if there is astronomical growth available there on the back end of things, because you're just going to end up hamstringing yourself on cash. And I think if you do that, it can have those really big unintended consequences in other things, even if the property goes up. Yeah, and I've got it. I'll relate that back to a story where Hazel and I went and lived in a place called Rose Bay, which is on the east of Sydney CBD where what we had to do was adjust kind of a third lever, if you will, which was the size of the dwelling. (laughs) So, we said, well, what is available for us? Um, Because we want to be around, to your point, like new people who lived in the area, we wanted to go and have dinners and coffees with them, but also bump into other affluent people based on the location and what we were trying to do and still are trying to do at the time. And so, we just started adjusting the lever to say, well, our expectations might be X, but we might need to go and get Y. So instead of getting a three-bedroom place so that each of us can have our own office and a bedroom, great, we'll, we'll bump it down. And we ended up getting, I think it was like a one-bedroom place that had another spot for an office, etc. 
just so that we can be around those and in those same areas, which is like another consideration that people can think in is, well, maybe I have this ideal picture of what I want in a house. However, the area that I've got doesn't support that. So, obviously, you've got the, the concepts of uh, increasing in size, downscaling in size, but you've also got the opportunities of instead of a house, maybe a townhouse, maybe instead of a townhouse, you've got the concept of an apartment. But the final point that I'm just going to layer across the top of here is getting into those suburbs, whether it's renting or buying, right? So, starting off on a lower end could be a potential idea for in Brighton, right? So, you might go and get a two-bedroom apartment in Brighton in order to then go and upgrade to a townhouse and then hopefully upgrade over time to a house, right, as an option for buying. But also for renting, it's like what is available. So, in Rose Bay, I don't know if you didn't know, Charlie, but there is no houses to rent <laughs> in Rose Bay. There is, you got nothing, right? And so, all you've got is, well, what has a bit of a supply? Apartments. So, great. If you're not going to buy something, you're kind of pushed, into where you can be. But that location I see is critical, especially for us as business owners. But the additional lens that lays over the top, and I think that you'll be sort of thinking through this yourself, is what about family? Where do I want Hazel to be? Hazel, my wife, is heavily into fitness, loves gyms. Like if if there is four gyms within direct proximity, we're going there, right? Like because that's what she likes. That's what she enjoys. She wants to be around similar-minded people. She wants to talk fitness with these people. That's what she's got. And for you with a kid, I'm sure it's very similar, right? You've kind of laid in a few points there and I want to break them down individually because I think they're worth actually like highlighting here. So one, in some areas, the type of dwelling you would want to rent, uh, if you were going to rent, may not exist. You may have to buy in an area. And um, I have seen that numerously in looking at my own property research. It's um, in some areas, it's buy or don't live here, but there are no rentals. It's like the the ticket to play. (laughs) Completely. The entry is like, you can't come in here unless this is what you got. So, that is your option. If you need to be in that area, you have to be a buyer. The renter thing is not existent for you. So, that's a that's a really interesting point. Dwelling type, I think was another really good one. I will say that a unique advantage as a young couple or people that aren't going to have kids or even a single, right, if you're not with someone else, is like in general where there is apartment uh, buildings is there are rentals that can be very cost effective. So, if you do want to go that way or live that way, I think that can be highly advantageous. And I'll admit, I've even considered uh, renting two or buying two apartments next to each other and just living out of two of them to get the space for a family at one point because I wanted to be in a location. Maths didn't work. I won't go into that now, but just uh, putting that out from there and uh, I think is a huge one. Uh, So, I I really like that as well. I want to bring in another one though that's quite interesting to me. Um, If you were to live in parts of Western Australia, so uh, Perth, uh, we'll put it down to here. There's some actual towns right now uh, within 30 k's of Perth or within 30 minutes of um, driving to the city where it's the same price to buy as it is to rent. Yeah. Like it actually, you're not making any type of saving there to be in that area. So, if you're can live or want to live for whatever reason, maybe it's family support or whatever it is, you may be at an advantage to buy in that area because it's not any cheaper to rent. Um, So, I think that's a really interesting thing that is occurring in Australia as well where you do have those types of opportunities. You really, really do, which is quite unique. You think the same country and we're talking about that type of disparity between cities is massive. So, I like that one as well. But I think we should dig into environment a little bit more here as well because this is the other factor that is often unspoken or unthought about when it comes to where we live. 
Yeah, environment is key, right? So I know we, we've kind of touched on you running into business opportunities as you go down to the cafe, but it goes beyond just that, right? So I always liken it to like, I still want to go and kick it in the US for three months, six months because I like technology businesses. That's That's my jam. And in the United States, there are two hubs for this. San Francisco and more recently Austin, Texas. Now, if you're a technology entrepreneur and you enjoy software and you say, I am going to move to Chicago to hang out with all of the other <laughs> tech entrepreneurs, it doesn't exist. It's not there, right? It's like, why would you hamper your growth personally or your growth in your business just because you want to save some money on a housing or just because you want to save money here. The point that you mentioned before is like you could 10x your business, 10x your network, 10x your employee base, 10x the concepts that would come to you vastly improve based on those that you're directly surrounded by. And so by having that area of me going, great, I'm hanging out in Austin, Texas, the amount of people that I will run into that will want to talk about technology, live and breathe technology, the meetups that are there, the conversations that will happen, it's just naturally going to improve me. But there's a, an, in, an interesting layer that Hayes and I have also been talking about that lands over the top, which is what about her, which is I covered, but what about our kids? Who do I want my kids to hang around with? Right? Why, why would I want to go into an area that is predominantly – I know, like, I'm fairly white collar, like, I, technology. I want my kids to learn how to code and I want my kids to do a lot of these That's things. right. You're not sounding snobby at all in this episode. <laughs> no, I'm already, not. Right? I'm like, it's like Rosemary. Reel it back in. <laughs> no, but like, if I, if I want to teach my kids how to code and things like that, why would I move them into an area where it's predominantly, I don't know, it could be like engineering or it could be uh, other aspects when there might be this one really good school in Melbourne that just specializes in great, it, if, Children want to learn how to code and do all these things. This is going to help them get there. So now I'm going to factor this in because it's my network, Hazel's network, as well as my family in the environment I'm surrounded in because it's not just growth. There are other areas that you can land in that can actually detract from it, right? That can actually pull you down and just go, no, you're now, your mindset and everything's going to change in the opposite direction. Yeah, so I just want to use an example here. What you, let's just like uh, go through this in an idea. Imagine you live in an area with a really high crime rate and every night you're worried about your car getting broken into or if you've locked the back door of your home or if you've got your security cameras on. It's like, can you imagine the idea of like you get up and that's what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis um, and you're doing business from that type of mindset? Yeah, And to your point, your kids are as well. So your kids are going to school in this area and there's lots of fights and bullying. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen elsewhere, but I I do find it interesting that if you uh, live in an area, maybe because it's a lot cheaper to live there, for example, but that's what you're dealing with on a day-to-day as your environment, what a kneecapping that is. like, And what a disadvantage you are to living in a more fear-based environment approach versus to living in an area where everyone's doing well and they're succeeding in life and they're happy and they're feeling inspired and like your day-to-day presence is like wow this is this is what winners do yeah and but everyone's propping each other up right because it's like okay well this is this is the standard of what's acceptable and so uh in queensland near where i am Right now, there was a school that was it was probably about a 30-minute drive from us, which was named the number one school with the highest crime, right, around this high school. 
And I'm like, why would you want your children to be surrounded by that? You are made up of those that you are surrounded by versus a school that got named the number one of uh, like a high school with the number one, most people going to Harvard or Stanford or something like that. And you go, hey, you have the same opportunities. <laughs> like you can surround yourself by this or this. You have options, right? And the same goes for obviously my wife. The same goes for obviously for us in business, et cetera. And it's just being aware of those options and those opportunities and going, what is that opportunity cost? between which one I'm going to lean on. Do, do you know, this is one of those things where it's like, it's interesting when you think this through is like, uh, if you would, you would think logically, purely logically, if I live in a cheaper area and then I invest more of my money that I end up in a better place, you know. Ones and zeros. Ones and zeros. All right, cool. Yep. That makes sense. I'm saving more money. I get to this place better. But when you factor in this is like, well, hang on, what if my business is less successful or my kids are less successful or I'm more unhappy or I'm scared all the time because of how much crime goes on in my area, like actually, well, then your business does less, so there's less income to come with that or less growth. So I, I think this is one of those ones that doesn't get discussed as not enough at all. And to make a point, um, I, uh, I love the study they did in the US on wealth, where it's like the single biggest factor on where someone ends up in life is not career choice, it's not um, even schools, it's the postcode they live. Isn't that fascinating? People, people that surround themselves, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people who, like, every, obviously everyone who's listening to this is predominantly business owners, right? And we are different to the common people, like that age-old adage of, um, yeah, rent money's dead money, or you need to have the Australian dream and buy your own home. We always look at these things and we we go against the grain, we go against the norm, and so for us, it's like, okay, well. How do we adjust this so that we can push a lever that makes everything around us better as opposed to, I just need to buy a house and <laughs> I just need to own a house. But that concept of just owning a house comes back to another layer that like Hazel and I are thinking about based on the areas we're looking to buy in is budget, right? And I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to pigeonhole this into just the deposit part of a budget, right? We'll talk about the long-term costs and all these things in a minute, but looking at the, the budget that we need and the opportunity for that budget, right? Because we're obviously talking about the option between buying our house or renting somewhere and then using that same budget to buy investment properties versus sort of locking it up. Um, I know that you've got an interesting perspective because you also have the third one that sits across the top of upgrading. <laughs> Do I upgrade my house? Hugely so. Upgrading, I think, is often forgotten in this conversation. Buy versus rent seems to be uh, attracted a lot to first home buyers, and obviously I get why. But at the same time, upgrading is uh, a very, very interesting conversation in like the timing of it. How much do you spend? What's relevant for what you uh, would require out of a dwelling or a home, family or living situations? Yeah, and you don't want to put that unnecessary pressure on yourself or the business, going back to the story that you've talked about. So, just knowing that just because you have a large sum in a bank account, there is opportunity cost because when you put it in here, removes the ability for you to do the other things with that same amount of money, right? And going back to what we've been talking about, it's not all ones and zeros, right? Because you can go and live in the middle of the regional Australia and go and pump a boatload of money into investment properties. But what about the quality of life? What about all of the other parts? And so, that that budget, that initial deposit is a really large consideration because do you even have enough to live in where you want to live? Are you sure that that is going to be the right option for you to dive into now based on the areas you want to live in, based on the environment you want to be around, based on the proximity you need to be in for your business, 
right? And so if you throw too much money in there, you go back to the story that you were sharing around a friend that's stuck, right? And now you've got more unnecessary pressure, which brings down the business and brings down everything. Yeah, he's noticeably stressed, like very noticeably stressed. You can tell the pressure to continually take on work in any environment to make his mortgage repayment is weighing on him. It really is. And just to throw something in, I think often here as well, we can pigeonhole ourselves of thinking in a fixed mindset of like, oh, it's, I, I buy the house or do investing. Yeah, I'm of the belief that we can do all of it. It's sequencing that matters. Yep. It's doing things out of order that really like messes with people. You can totally live in a nice area and have a brilliant house and invest. But if you try and do it all at once, that's or do it in the wrong order that doesn't work to the sequences of, of what your business may need or anything else. That's where people really come unstuck. Yeah. And I always think of it like a percentage game, right? Like it's not uh, 100% and 0%. You can go 60%, 40%, right? So you go, okay, well, what can we afford with that 60% budget? And then we've got the remaining 40% for either stress relief <laughs> because we've just got a, a bit of money sitting there just as a rainy day fund or even looking for other investments as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip tact on this and go security factor, right? So one thing that Hazel and I do not have, and I don't mean security in the sense of crime rates and all those kind of things, right? Like Hazel and I, we are in a place right now in uh, Sunshine, uh, sorry, the Sunshine Coast in a place, gorgeous place called Perigian, which is on Perigian Beach. But we're only here for a couple of months, right? Like we have got to pack up and move around consistently to be in the places that we want to be, see the things that we want to see and, and do all of those things, right? Where the security factor for us, if we had a family, the stress would be astronomical, right? Like it's very rare that we'd be able to go into a place and just say, hey, we want to rent this for 10 years, please. <laughs> Could you just give me a 10-year lease? Because I, I want the security of owning a house but not owning a house, if that makes sense. See, but to counter that, I've had this house for 10 years. Exactly. So, and I, that's I, fine. I, I can have it for another 10 if I want. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 don't, I don't get to play that game. Right, because uh, I'm renting. But in addition to that, you know the game that I do get to play, Charlie? I get to play rent fluctuation game. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> right? should, should we go Which there? Is, should we go yeah. there? That's real. All right. We, we, this is a conversation Grant and I have had um, off the call a little bit, but it's <clears throat> a really interesting thing. So um, I'll, I'll shape it up to bring people up to speed. One of the things that is commonly suggested is that renting is cheaper than buying a home in many locations in Australia. And that is true. That is very, very true. Um, but when we compare markers 10 years later, that isn't true at all. So the scenario I'll paint right now is that uh, 10 years ago, if Grant was to have rented and I were to have bought, my payments on my mortgage would have been higher than, and the costs associated with running that house, I might say like rates, uh, stamp duty, like there's a whole bunch of extra things that you have to look at when you own a home where Grant would come out um, ahead. But 10 years later, my mortgage payment, uh, I, even though I completely acknowledge I have paid off my house, so I don't have a mortgage payment, so we'll call it artificial mortgage payment, <laughs> um, would actually be far cheaper because it stayed the same. Exactly. It's actually stayed the same that entire time where rents have gone up over that time. So I think renting has been given the unfair like short-term win, but buying at for cost to cost, only in this example here, might be a bit of a long-term win. Yeah, and that goes to an episode that we mentioned previously around inflation. Uh, inflation can work with you or inflation can work against you. And so I just get to keep playing this, keep paying more, baby. Just keep paying more whilst you get to essentially because cost of money over time, right? If you're buying things, it increases. But if you've borrowed money, it 
works the opposite way. It's pretty funny though. I was looking at it. Um, when we first bought this home, and I, I'm happy to disclose this, when we first bought this like many, many years ago, um, the payment was like $450 a week when we first bought it. This is like 10 years ago. And I remember thinking like, this is crazy. This is like, we're, we're going to have to be so careful. We're going to have to tighten our belts here. Like, And I look at that uh, now and it's like if someone was to rent the same house, and I know how much rent would go for on the house, uh, similar houses in the street right now, and I look at it and go, I'm not sure I'd even rent that today. I wouldn't see good value in it. It's like so astronomically high compared to that. It's crazy. And I, so I'm sitting there buying investment properties, looking at mortgages and the rent I'm getting, and they're just looking at the rent we pay. And I'm just like, oh, man, <laughs> this is different, just different. But that's why I feel like this conversation is important to have because people don't often take these things into consideration. So if someone elects to rent vest today, going logically that makes sense for them, they do have to take into consideration that rents go up. You yeah. really do. And you don't have those security factors. Like, so uh, again, the idea of renting somewhere for 10 years probably has happened somewhere, but I, I do think is uncommon. I think uh, moving around is a, uh, more common amongst renters. I will say though, that can be your advantage. If you're in a business where moving cities, like maybe you want to set up an office in each state and you want to live in that state for a duration of time to get your company set up or your infrastructure set up, like that might be a huge advantage to you, but would be a massive disadvantage if you were buying a home. So, again, playing to the winds here. Yeah, definitely. And talking about playing to the winds, it actually is a great segue to my next point, which is the emotions <laughs> and life events, right? So, that you and I talked, have talked about this. Like, Grant, would you be having this conversation if you were not talking about starting a family? And the answer is probably no, right? Life events, but also business events also play a big hand in this, right? So, for example, if you have gone and acquired another business in another state, you need to go and get that set up. Okay. Now, you've got a different consideration. If you have just started a family or you were thinking about starting a family, now you've got a different consideration, right? Where right now I'm renting. So, my, because we're a married couple with no kids, like we can move around, but on the flip side, so you've obviously got the triggers, like the life events and business events, but you've also got the consistent emotions as well that go with the options that we've got here. So stress and pressure, we've talked about a lot already on the podcast. Like, uh, is renting going to add stress and pressure? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, every time I have to pack up all this podcasting equipment, the lights and everything, and everything else in, the, in our house, by the way, like we still acquire stuff even though we know we shouldn't. And put it into that car and go and travel somewhere else to go and rent for six months, 12 months, three months, whatever it is. That is stressful. And I don't have a kid. I'm just a big kid and I got a, I got a wife who's also a big kid. right? But that's stress that I've accepted where if you lived in a place, you'd never have to deal with that stress. right? But you might have the stress of maybe the, the mortgage. Like I, I might have bought something a little bit too more, more expensive or you might have got a stress where your business has changed and oh, now I need to travel to Tasmania a lot, but I'm not living there oh my gosh, I can't go and rent because I've bought my place. Like there's so many considerations around this emotion and triggers or life events that people just need to think about and understand when they're making these decisions. Yeah, I want to throw one of the, because um, we're in very different situations. It's, I find it fascinating hearing how you're feeling about those things because um, I, I don't have that in my life. It's a very, very different set of feelings because I've, I'm in a place where I've got a house and own it, right? I've paid it off. So here's something that I find really interesting is the counter to that is because I'm in that situation of having a paid off house, it's actually made me feel so secure that I'm willing to take more risk in business 
Mm. And um, I think you've even uh, said this to me at numerous times. Is like, uh, I, I, no, I'm paraphrasing here. It's like I've never seen someone so um, ready to burn the whole thing down and, and change the whole business overnight, <laughs> which I don't. Which <laughs> I've never seen someone so relaxed about this. <laughs> cool, new business. Uh, but it's like I actually would say that has been something that is because I don't have any of the pressure or stress associated with paying for a mortgage, my feelings towards business changed and I didn't expect that. So I think as uh, business owners, uh, and I hope this does get out as something that isn't commonly spoken about, is if you elect to go the route of buying a home and paying it off, like there are some unintended um, consequences that come from it in a good way. Like it's a really, really good way. So I've actually found that to be a hugely helpful thing in business because I, I don't have to worry about those things in the same light. And I, I will layer across the top there, in addition to your wealth creation that you've gone down, like you layer on top that you own the play, principal place of residency and you also have a, a, a bunch of really great assets. <laughs> it's almost like business is a game. Right? It's like it you get to choose what you do in the business in order to support the lifestyle you want to support, the clients you want to work with, the projects you want to take on, etc. It's just uh, hence why Asset Blocks was created, by the way. It was because of these things that other people just haven't seen or go, oh, wow, that's actually really possible. No way. Well, this podcast wouldn't exist if that circumstance didn't uh, was there. If I felt the need to purely be, you know, got to pay the mortgage, this clearly isn't the best use of either of our time. Like there are things we could both be doing to make more money than this podcast produces. Definitely. Uh, so, but it allows you to pursue passions, right? And that's, I think, is something really important. But I, I want to layer a factor over this as well, which is like um, balance sheet. Mm. So, um, yeah. what a lot of people don't take into consideration when I've spoken about them. And I'll use some examples to go with this. So, in my situation where I, I did elect to buy my own home, many years later, that home has gone up in value. I noticed that I know that not that is not true for every home, but the, in this case here, the home has. Is that has actually given me equity to then use on other investments if I choose? So round numbers: I bought a house for hundred thousand dollars. That house has gone up to two hundred thousand dollars. By the way, these are not the numbers. I'm using this as the example. Is that that hundred thousand dollar gain I can then borrow against to buy more properties or buy shares or use as a leverage piece? where you do not get that advantage if you were working with shares. So, I'm sorry, working with renting. So, if you were renting, there is no balance sheet stuff you may doing. It would only come from the investments. I will say that that has come in particularly handy at times from a borrowing capacity uh, standpoint. So, if you are someone inclined to want to use debt and leverage down the road, like having a home is not a bad asset to have on the balance sheet at all. It can be very, very helpful in that regards. Yeah, and I, I completely concur because for Hazel and I, we look at cash flow, monthly cash flow as like th that is it. <laughs> That's all we compare. And so, everything that we get from our investment properties basically needs to pay and more of everything that we live on, right? And so, it's always trying to balance that. But that's the game. That's the only lever that we can push outside of refinancing an investment property for us, right? But we've got to pay tax on that, like and any gains that we get, right? So, if we get the loan and refinance, sorry, we don't pay that but if we go and sell a property obviously and it's worth more we have to pay tax on the resale unlike if you own your house right and you go and sell your property now for two hundred thousand dollars in your example you're not paying the tax on the increase that you've got right and so for us we just focus in on the cash flow the monthly cash flow and we go what's our monthly expense what do we get from our investments 
And that's kind of the game that we play because we don't have that that principal place of residency lever to push, right? Which is, well, how do we refinance our own house? We've only got the investment properties to lean on. So not a lot of people, again, in the considerations of conversations I've been in in this is that, um, and hopefully people are aware of this, is that you don't pay capital gains tax on your own home in Australia. That is one of our tax policies. So if you do buy a home and it doubles in value and you sell it, you would get to keep all of those gains. Where if your investment properties, uh, if you would, you are subjects to capital gains tax. So on the long-term horizon, this is where things may not shape up for people as well. So it's a a very, very interesting consideration to take on those long-term costs as well. And it's actually interesting because on that balance sheet conversation, the one thing that, or one of the main things that Hazel and I have been talking about as with yourself uh, is, has been the impact to our ability to borrow, right? Because you are... You are in a property, you've owned it for quite a while, paid off, like happy days. For us, we would be stepping into the start of that journey, right? So, go and put a deposit down, get the mortgage on it. But that mortgage, so if it was a million-dollar property and we go and put $200,000 down, that $800,000 that we've just turned into a mortgage is $800,000 borrowing capacity that is taking off our ability to buy more assets, Right, Ooh, so it's isn't it, it? It's painful to think about, isn't it? Oh, it's <laughs> terrible, and especially because the properties that we typically buy as investment properties uh, are not in areas that I'd want to live personally. Like, actually, no, I lie. Some of them I do like. <laughs> so I would. Like, I know your locations. I would happily live yeah. in some of those. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'll rewind that. Right, but again, I like, it's not where I personally right now in my career want to want to live. Right, and so okay, great. Where I do want to live is more expensive which means I'm not talking about taking a, a $400,000 mortgage out. Like I'm talking about taking a substantial mortgage out, which is is potentially is going to hamper two, three, four investment properties in that borrowing capacity, right? And so now I'm not just talking a one-to-one, I'm talking like a one-to-four. And I'd suspect that most business owners might be in a similar situation, right? Because it's not, a, it's not a ones and zeros game, which means now it's, okay, well, if we're going to buy it, how long is it going to take for us to get that down in order for us to use, get more borrowing capacity. And I can obviously do that by selling more and earning more through the business, et cetera. But it comes back to that emotion. Is it going to be too much stress? Is it going to be too much pressure? Am I going to, do I want to deal with that versus, hey, what am I going to get from three or four more investment properties in the long term? It's a hard pill to swallow. It really is. Um, I, I can completely concur that as soon as you go into the realm of buying your own home, or even renting a really expensive place, driving up personal living expenses does create more um, requirements of our businesses. It really does. And like we're very fortunate to be business owners where we can do that, but to not consider the opportunity cost on it is the the thing that I think um, it would be a mistake for many. Yeah. And then just layering over, so obviously we talked about like the long-term cost, but then obviously the long-term ROI like you. Talking about your example there, if you bought your property for $100,000 and you were in it for seven years, 10 years, and it's gone up to uh, $200,000, sorry, so $100,000 to $200,000 and you've made the $100,000, that's a great ROI because it's tax-free, right? But then you go and apply that and you go, great, where I live, is it going to go through the same growth? Obviously, we've seen some pretty serious property growth recently, but compared to if I go and buy investment properties where I literally have all of Australia to choose from where I literally can choose the places that are probably going to grow the most, have the most demand, have really good rental return, et cetera. Like what is going to be the long-term ROI from a ones and zeros perspective, ignoring all of the others? 
And so when we look at this, it's not just that initial cash down deposit and cost of purchasing a property or anything. It's now talking about the longer term. So if I was to use your example of buying a, a place to live compared to buying two or three investment properties, where am I going to be in 10 years, 20 years? Right? What is the cost going to look like for me? And does that align to what I'm looking for? As opposed to just going, oh, great, I've got a quarter million dollars in a bank account. What do I want to do with it? Right? Do you know what keeps coming up for me in this conversation though? Like every time we go into these uh, points of like, you know, pros and cons and looking at the differences, good business solves most of these problems. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely does. Because why? It's, it's great. But the other thing that always comes back to it is that good business investing in wealth creation assets like what we've been doing, it, it's almost like Hazel might talk more about let's go and acquire more assets so that we can increase our spending in our personal life. <laughs> right, because we treat the business as the funnel into creating and buying assets <laughs> so that we can live off the income from the assets as opposed to how do we sell more so that we can buy a new car? How do we sell more in the business so that we can get a better house? How do we sell more? It's like, no, like how can we de-risk the business, <laughs> get assets to go and live the life that we want to live, which is why we get to rent better places, which is why we're going to do better things because assets grow and the cash flow is improving, which means great. Now it's not costing us anything. We're not putting more time and effort into increasing the other part. But you're right. In order for all of this to increase, just having a solid foundational business. And in previous episodes, we've talked about a, what a good business looks like. It is the key foundation. And there is one point that I just want to lay across the top of this. Because we, we obviously are business owners and most of us are very well driven. We care a lot about the ones and zeros, but we also I consider it around our emotions and things like that. I will say that where I've seen this in my personal experience with some of the friends that I've got, where I've seen it fall over is lack of communication, where the business owner wants to drive the decisions based off maybe ones and zeros, ignoring their partners or their families or anyone around them emotions or thoughts or considerations, right? The best thing that Hazel and I are doing is talking about it. But we're also bringing other people in. We're bringing experts in to go, what is going to be the best approach for us? And having that communication, depending if you're by yourself, great. <laughs> go and do whatever you want to do. It's fine. But if you do have a spouse or you do have a family or you do have other people to consider, maybe you've got elderly parents or maybe your business partners in a particular location and things, this is a conversation that you should be having with them because you don't want to just burn bridges because you're just looking for good ones and zeros. Yeah, all these, uh, every point we've spoken about is an ecosystem. Yeah. Right? That one affects the other and the other affects the other and the one over here affects this one here, right? They all come together. So I do love that point and I hadn't even thought of that, but massively I'll say Bianca and I do the same. We communicate on a lot of these things because if you're not on the same page with your partner and you're ones and zeros driven while someone else is family driven or uh, location driven, um, then that's going to cause conflict and I think even potentially heartache down the road. So good communication here is, is a huge one. So, before we finish up, Charlie, let's rewind the clock 10 years. <laughs> let's say you've got the same business you got right now, but you don't own the house that you currently own. And hey, We'll stretch it. Imagine you don't own the assets and investments that you have right now. Would you buy a place to live in or would you go investments and just go rent vesting? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Um, so, it's something where I have to acknowledge that it's worked out for me what I've done. So I'm not unhappy with my current situation at all, at all. But was it optimum and was it how I would do it again? Probably not. 
So I, I've, I've gone through this and I've really thought about the mistake that, or the thing I would change, I'm not going to say the mistake, is that I wouldn't have so aggressively paid my mortgage off. I would have started investing earlier. So now these days, now that I've got more education and thought about things, is that I'm comfortable to have a mortgage on my own home and also invest at the same time. Like yep. I missed out on many years of uh, growth by not investing and having a mortgage at the same time purely because I was so focused on business. So that's one of the key things we're looking at here. But I've also thought about something here that I, I wanted to introduce in the episode because I kind of knew this question was coming, Grant. Ah, oh, um, no. <laughs> so the thing I wish I looked to um, is that I really don't want my cost of living to be more than 35% of my uh, income or household income, I should say. If your partner does work or doesn't work, you can incorporate that. I think once you cross 35% um, that you just severely limit yourself too much. Now, that's an opinion. I'm not going to say that applies to you know all things there. But if your cost of living is, let's say, 50%, and then by the time you incorporate living costs like food or uh, travel or entertainment, and there's just so little left over to do anything with, or reinvest in your business, invest in assets, whatever's appropriate for you, I think that's a danger zone. I yep. think going 35% or less, ideally 30 allows you to look allows you to free up enough cash flow to be able to make important moves that can accelerate you in a big way like a really big way and I'll again use some examples there's been times where we've hired people it was expensive it's been times when we've paid to get specific contractors or mentors in or use services and it's like if I don't have the cash flow to do those things because it's tied up in a house that's over what I can afford the limiting factors are huge if I don't have the resources to invest when uh, market opportunities present or investment opportunities present, it's just such a hamstring to being successful. So I really want to drive that point home of like, that is the thing that I'm most concerned about is people go too heavy on a house and then it ends up being the thing that holds them back for a long time. Yeah, and they because they get the pressure. They, get, they go, I need to sell something in order to make sure that I can pay off X, Y, and Z or that I need to make sure I can sustain this new level of lifestyle that I've had. Has your view changed since you've been going on the journey? Has it, like, again, you got to remember for myself, it was like, I was just like, buy a house paid off. <laughs> exactly like that, by the way, that stressed. <laughs> yeah. But for on you, as you're going through it, how's your view shaped? <laughs> on the couch last night, <laughs> sitting there, um, we had we had quite a few people start like, sharing asset blocks in, in quite a few feet. Facebook groups and so my phone was pinging. <laughs> I was like scrolling down. I've just turned to Hazel. I'm like, damn it, I want to buy another investment property. <laughs> and I'm just like, my damn these people. Like, so it's completely, completely changed. For me, it's just a massive driver where I'm just like, well, how can I continue to grow my assets in order for me to increase my, my uh, living, right? Because I always see that I don't want to live on anything that doesn't come out of my assets, right? That is like step one for me. But to your point, step number two is I don't just consider that the only income I have. I look at the business income as well as Hazel's income and factor all of that in, right? So, if I've got the assets earning X amount and my cost of living is below or on par with X amount, everything I get from the business is just cream. And so, if that is, imagine 100%. And the, the assets are bringing me in that 30% that I'm spending. That is such a good mix for me. So, my biggest epiphany was that. It was like, how do I just live on cash that's coming in from assets and acquire more assets so that I'm 
asset income is actually turning into savings and buying other assets as well. And just because that's turned out to be around that 35%, now that's the game of going, well, how? How do I live in better places? Without impacting this, how do I how do I continue that? And it's uh, that ecosystem that you were talking about is almost the way I see our investments is this ecosystem of like the business, the assets, our expenses. I'm like, do I pull expenses down? Do I increase investments? Do I increase the business? Or like, what am I going to push and pull here based on where I want to get to? So wholeheartedly, it's now a game. I just see it as a game. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think there's any other way for me to look at it. It's just this game that I just want to continually play and play. It's like Monopoly. How do I put another house on? But I think that's a healthy mindset to think of it as a game, right? I can see that for a lot of people, money and finances is a stress. It's like they, it's something they feel obligated to do, but it like it just uh, rattles them, makes them yep. nervous. It impacts them in a negative way where I think viewing it as a game, which is exactly how I think about it. It can be fun. Like it doesn't have to be a stressful journey. It can be a fun journey and exciting and there can be plenty of wins and celebrations through it. Yeah, and it's but it's also been interesting seeing that Hazel come on the journey. <laughs> That's been quite fascinating as well because she gets bought into the game. She's like, damn it, I want to play. Let's yeah. push harder. Do you know what's interesting? I'll say on my side as well is that um, I instigated in our house. Like I was the one who led and said, hey, I think this is something we should be doing. But as we've gone into the game, I think Bianca might even enjoy it more than I do now. Dude, I think she does. <laughs> she's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting there punching you. Come on, another one, another one. Another. But, uh, and that's why the communication comes to key. But we, we've spoken about a lot of different points here. And I think the greatest summaries that I've taken out is like that ecosystem. And I, I think if you were to look at the considerations of buy, rent, vesting, or even upgrading, Thinking about the ecosystem of finances, family, or the support network, what you're trying to achieve, um, but also the business primarily, I, th- I think if you consider everything in that ecosystem, and they're not all equally weighted, right? Some might be 20% higher than others, depending on your situation. Completely. I think I think you're going to come out with a pretty good position because you've considered all of the different aspects that you have to think about. Right, because you're not always going to be able to achieve 100% across them all. You might not get your kids to the exact school you want them to, but you might get the second or third. You might not get the exact suburb where like everyone's going for coffee and your business might grow from, but you might be around the corner and just drive there. Right, like you might not get 100% on them all, but at least you're considering the entire ecosystem together. Um, and then the second main point for myself was around the concept of upgrading. And I'm going to split upgrading into two. We spoke about upgrading your house. So if you've got a current place and you're looking to upgrade, but also upgrading your business, right? Like it's the opportunity cost. It's not just a buy your house and or rent and buy investment properties or upgrade. It's, well, you can actually use that money elsewhere, right? You can put it back into your business and grow your business. And I thought that was a really good lens to go, huh, as business owners, we do play this game completely different to other people was there anything else that you really took away from it that you're just like damn like that is just a a key point that i just want to hammer home yeah i I just want to bring one into light here is that you know the brighton story at the start of when i was renting is like overpriced rent way not um purely a logical decision but when you take into account the business deals done there great decision so it can be so multi-layered to how you win and your circumstance will be so unique. So hopefully this podcast brings up some different ideas and lenses for people to view it with that they can discuss with their 
partners or themselves if they're a single where they can make a good decision and really think through what their next move is, whether they're going to rent, buy or upgrade. Definitely. And now if you liked anything that you heard, uh, just know that Charlie and I put up calculators, templates and checklists that have helped us on our wealth creation journey. And if you want access to them, just head over to assetblocks.com.au, click on free resources and just download whatever is relevant to yourself. And if you did enjoy the episode, be sure to subscribe or even share it with someone else who might be asking themselves the same questions as we've walked through today. And I just want to say thank you again for joining us and we look forward to catching you next time in the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.